So Emily, who were you angry at? Okay, well, I was angry mostly at you, of course. Yes. <laughs> but I was also angry at myself, and I was a little angry at God. Has your marriage been shattered by sexual betrayal? Are you wondering if there's any possible way to save your marriage, or even if you want to? Is there just the tiniest glimmer of hope that you and your spouse can work it out, but you have no clue how or where to start? Hello, and welcome to Beyond Broken Vows podcast. We're your hosts, Johnny and Emily Spiegelmeyer, two formerly seriously broken people who have been called by God to share our story of redemption and the hope that lies within every story that's fully surrendered to God. And we have been where you are, my friends. As a result of adultery fueled by pornography, the marriage vows we had exchanged as newlyweds were eventually shattered. However, we are here together to let you know that this devastation we experienced was actually a gift. On our show, we will be sharing the resources we found invaluable on our road to reconciliation and recovery. We'll tackle the topics of marriage, faith in God, infidelity, porn addiction, and recovery. We will also be taking questions from you, our awesome audience. So if you're ready to move from pain-filled todays into hope-filled tomorrows, grab your favorite beverage and spend a little time with us. We want you to know that your story matters and that there is hope for your marriage through Christ Jesus. Marriage is redeemed. Hearts renewed. On Beyond Broken Vows podcast. Hello and welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. We're going to be talking about Emily and the anger that she felt from the very beginning of discovery going through the beginnings of our recovery through that time period. And we're looking forward to getting into this topic, although it has been a challenging one for us to get recorded because it has brought up a lot of emotion. We're looking forward to it because we know that it needs to be done. We know that the people of the world that are listening need to hear that this is a very real emotion and that it is okay to be angry. So before we get going today, Emily has a review that she'd like to read from one of our wonderful listeners. Yes, we have a five-star review from 763948. This person says, wow, just listen to the first episode and I'm hooked. I can't imagine this couple going so public with their story. I know this is a huge issue with so many people and yet so little places to get real, raw help. Until this is brought out in the open more, thousands of people are going to suffer in silence. What a blessing. Thank you so much for that review, 763948. We really appreciate that you would take the time to listen to our podcast and leave us a review. That really helps us get this message out to a lot more people all around the world. So uh, we encourage anyone who appreciates this show to go ahead and leave us a five-star written review, and you will be helping us in this ministry we have. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much for your feedback about the vulnerability and the openness. It actually has not been very easy to get all these topics out. You've heard from some of our episodes that there's been some emotion attached. And even as we prepare for these, it gets challenging at times and requires a lot of prayer between Emily and I both to be able to get these things recorded. So we're so grateful for the feedback. But just as a gentle reminder, we would like to hear more from you, our audience, in the form of questions. Any questions that you might have for us 
from our recovery, from our experience, or any questions you might have regarding where you're at and what you're feeling, we would really like to be able to hear those and have a chance to respond to them on air. So if you have anything like that, please drop us a line over at support at beyondbrokenvows.com. Yes, and it would be totally anonymous, but we do want to share what's on people's hearts. So before we get going into today's topic, we're going to open up in a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for bringing us here today to this topic of anger. You have a lot to say about what anger is and what anger isn't and how anger can be good and how anger can be destructive. We pray, Father, that as we go through this today and we turn the microphone toward Emily for her to open her heart and be vulnerable, that you would give her peace in that speaking. Peace because of your presence that says everything is going to be okay. We pray, Father, for the message that what would be heard is you are not alone, that we are with you, and that, God, you are always with everyone who is honestly seeking you for the truth. Be with us today, Father, and give us strength as we move forward. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So here we go. Emily, are you ready for this? I don't know. I think so. <laughs> okay. Well, good. Well, so as has been our habit, we love to define words. As we define words, it helps us get a grasp of what these words actually mean. And sometimes we deviate from them in our common vernacular. We use them in one way or another, and it doesn't really come out the same. So we will try as much as we can to go back to the definitions so that we can have solid common ground to stand on. So the definition of anger that we have for today comes out of the Cambridge Dictionary, and it is a noun. It says it's a strong feeling that makes you want to hurt someone or be unpleasant because of something unfair or unkind that has happened. So let me ask you guys, do you get angry while driving in traffic? Have you ever had or seen road rage? Are you the person that yells at everyone making stupid or dangerous driving mistakes from inside your car with the windows up? I can't say I've never had a burst of anger when driving, but I would consider my general attitude to be more like road irritation. Is that a word? <laughs> In recent years, you know, I have made it a practice to try to give other drivers the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they have an emergency. Maybe their kids are distracting them. And it also helps to remind myself that I've probably done some of the same stupid things before myself, and I'm not the only one with important places to go. But this isn't the kind of anger that we're going to talk about today. You know, a couple of years into our recovery, we decided to take the step to attend a small group at our church. The topic was marriage, and more specifically, how to have a better marriage by understanding ours and our spouse's attachment style. Attachment style is like how we experience love as a child and how these relational patterns affect our marriage relationship. We hadn't heard about this type of psychology before and thought maybe it was akin to the five love languages by Gary Chapman. I don't know if you all have read that book. It's excellent, but it wasn't anything like that. It ended up being one of the best tools in our marriage toolkit, though. Mylan and Kate Yurkovich took us on a fascinating journey through their book, How We Love. We did it through video recordings so that we could see them demonstrate each of these five attachment styles, avoider, pleaser, vacillator, controller, and victim. Well, I discovered I fit best into the vacillator category, and getting angry easily is a big part of that attachment style. 
I am normally a pretty even-tempered person, although I do remember screaming at my kids sometimes when I just could not hold back the frustration anymore, which wasn't good. But I have matured in my walk with Christ since then, and I don't fit into the exact definition of a vacillator now. But my anger certainly came out after finding out that my husband had been lying to me for most of our marriage and was addicted to pornography that escalated into three extramarital affairs. Yeah, I got mad. Really mad. But guess what? Anger is a God-given emotion. We are created in His image, and He gets angry, although His anger is always righteous while ours is not always righteous. The anger caused by betrayal is definitely righteous anger because it's an unjust act against another person. But the trick is to be angry and not sin. Also, anger is a necessary part of the grief cycle. I found myself moving in and out of this stage of the grief cycle as new information was trickled out to me in the first several months after discovery. So Johnny is now going to ask me some questions related to my anger after he revealed his addiction and adultery. So Emily, who were you angry at? Okay, well, I was angry mostly at you, of course. Yes. <laughs> but I was also angry at myself, and I was a little angry at God. So Emily, why were you angry with me? Well, you know, you lied to me. You broke covenant with me. You chose other women and yourself over me. You rejected me. You emotionally neglected and abandoned me, took me for granted. You shattered my reality. You created the loss of all I had thought to be true. You took away my safety, and you made me feel that I wasn't enough. You betrayed me. That's a lot to take. And yeah, that's going to elicit anger because it wasn't fair, right? It wasn't fair that you did those things. And then I was angry at myself, too, because thinking back to the time right after D-Day, which is Discovery Day, I was definitely mad at you, of course, but I was also mad at myself because I was blaming myself. I was taking responsibility for what had happened, which now seems crazy, but that's pretty common for a betrayed spouse to do. I spent a lot of time tormenting myself with thoughts about how I could have prevented it or stopped it. I would dream and daydream about these elaborate scenarios in which I would catch you in the act. <laughs> That's also part of the grief cycle that moves more into the bargaining right. stage, right? Yeah, I was I was kind of angry at myself for being naive and blind, and I felt really stupid. I felt like a fool. And I was very embarrassed, too, and that made me angry. I didn't want people to know that this had happened in our marriage. And it was embarrassing and humiliating to me that I was the wife of, <laughs> of an adulterer, the wife of a porn addict. These were very humiliating things to have to accept. And yeah, I was angry that I didn't catch it sooner. I was angry that I, I was fooled. Yes. So this is a whole new narrative to you that you never once imagined was going to be written into your life story. Yeah, I never had dreamed that this would be part of our marriage, part of our life. That made me mad too, having this be my story now. What did those angry feelings feel like internally? Oh, wow. Um, you know, physiologically, I could feel myself getting hot, face flushing, kind of getting shaky. My heart would beat faster. Um, I just had this feeling of fuzziness in my head, you know, and just couldn't really think straight. <laughs> so sometimes I did say things and, and do things that I normally wouldn't, right? 
yeah, I did lose control sometimes. There were times when I screamed at you and said things that I didn't really mean, but at the time, it's all I could say. Like, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. And I remember saying that one time and running out of the room, slamming the bedroom door. And then I opened the door and slammed it again, just for good measure. <laughs> just so you knew how angry I was. Right. I remember that. And, you know, even while I was saying those words, I knew deep down in my heart that I didn't hate you, but I hated what you had done to our marriage, to our life. But would it be fair to say that in that moment, you weren't you weren't necessarily in that moment able to differentiate between hating me and just hating what I had done? When that raw, angry emotion comes out, it just comes out. Is that fair to say? It's fair to say that I felt those feelings at the time as if I hated you, which, you know, I can feel that the hate was coming out through me. But I did know at the same time that I loved you. So if you can hate and love somebody at the same time, I guess that's what happened. But I was very much hating what I was going through. I was hating what you were putting me through. Yeah, do you remember a few occasions where I even got so angry that I hit you? <laughs> I didn't throw things at you and I didn't like punch you in the face. But I know a couple of times when we were in the heat of an argument or something that you had told me that just really triggered me, I just... I didn't know what to do and my hands and fists would ball up and you actually just encouraged me to go ahead and hit you because you could take it. You could take that physical pain and, you know, I would just pummel your chest with my fists. I know I wasn't actually doing it as hard as I could, but it felt good to get some of that emotion out, some of that energy, some of that angry energy out. And there were a few occasions I remember being angry when I was by myself. I was just so hurt and so distraught and not knowing what to do that I was hitting my head on the, the headboard or against the wall if I was sitting on the floor. And, you know, that was just a way to get that emotion out of the body. It's just, you can't hold it in. I think you would explode if you couldn't release that in some way. But, you know, I, I really don't think that that's very helpful <laughs> for the situation, for us, for our healing. But, you know, in the moment, it just was all that I could think of doing. It was all that I could react into doing. So yeah, I lost it a few times. Anger is a real deal. It's a real emotion. Yes. It's expressed sometimes in some very intense ways. I remember those days and I would not characterize you in that period of time as being an angry person. I would characterize it by angry outbursts at the injustice, angry outbursts at the confusion. And even now in hindsight, after what recovery has taught us, I would dare say angry at the powerlessness. Right. Things that you just had no control over, despite all of your efforts to do it right, to live well, to love God, to love your husband, to love your family, to hit all the markers correctly and still have this outcome. Yeah, yeah, devastating. So Emily, you mentioned one other person that you were angry with, and you mentioned that that person was God. This one's a little bit more difficult to talk about sometimes. You wanna tell us more what you were feeling? I spent my entire life loving Jesus, and I never wanted to admit 
that I would be mad at God for anything. And most of the time I would say things like that to myself. It's not God's fault. You know, whatever it was all through my life, it's not God's fault. It's human's fault. We're the sinful ones, right? So anger at God wasn't really in my MO, but I guess I can categorize it as being angry at him in this situation because I was asking him the question, why? Why did you let this happen? Why didn't you stop it sooner? How? How could you let me be in a situation like this? You know, things like that. I was asking him those kinds of things. I know that it wasn't his fault that this happened. And I know that he allowed it for reasons that maybe we will never fathom. But he allows us to make our own choices, good or bad, and to experience the consequences of bad decisions, our own or that of others. But I was angry that he didn't bring this to light sooner. You know, that was the main thing that I was angry about. Because out of all the years, 30 years or more of a pornography addiction. I mean, I knew you had trouble with pornography here and there through our marriage. You know, it would pop up here and there and we would try to deal with it. Well, I mean, and even before I met you. Well, yeah, before you met me, of course. But the what I had known about was, you know, starting in year five of our marriage and then beyond. How could I not know you were having affairs? How could I not see it? I was very trusting of you. You had never given me any reason to not trust you. I would justify things that I saw that maybe were questionable as something else. I would believe you're deflecting and you're, and you're justifying and you love Jesus. So <laughs> this was the furthest thing from my mind, right? That you could even possibly do something like this, be involved in anything like this. So yeah, I was just feeling clueless and in the dark and I was angry about that. I was like, God, why didn't you tell me? Maybe he was trying to tell me. Maybe I just didn't see it. Maybe I just didn't want to see it. So. Yeah, I was a little bit angry at God. Uh, I don't think it lasted too long because I really do trust him. I really have always trusted him and I've seen his track record. And even now looking back, he had our back in this because if I had found out sooner, I'm not really sure we would have had the tools to handle it and yes. the support system to handle it. I think back and there were times when you could have been exposed and it's like, who would I have gone to? Who would we have gone to? We didn't have that support system right. that we do now. So God's timing is the best. And I just have to trust in that. Yes. So you had that anger with God with regard to why and how and why me. But in the end, as you realize that his timing is perfect, did that help to abate that anger a little bit? Oh, sure. I don't want to be mad at God. He's my creator. He gave me life. He saved me from the wages of sin and death, right? You know, I'm looking forward to spending eternity with him. And what good is it to be mad at God? <laughs> it's just, uh, it's not productive. Emily, thank you so much. That was not easy to get through when you're ready to move forward. Right. Yeah. Those, those are definitely emotions that I had um, before. Not that I don't sometimes still get angry occasionally when right. I have... Memories, you know, <laughs> I'm a picture person. I love taking pictures. I have over a hundred thousand pictures saved in the cloud. And she's not exaggerating, people. <laughs> I love to look back at pictures and memories, and that was a really, really hard thing to do for a long time. I would be looking for a certain picture for whatever reason, an event or something, 
And I would start scrolling through and I would see a picture and it would hit me. It would strike me that that was during this time period where he was doing this. And that crushed me, you know, every single time. It was just a huge trigger. In fact, on Facebook, you know, the, how they give you memories of photographs from a yes. year before, two years before, five years before. I had to go into the settings and adjust that to stop showing me those pictures. I didn't want any pictures before discovery. Yeah, it was hard to see pictures like that. And still, it can be hard. There's some times when I'll see a picture and it just really saddens me. I don't really get angry anymore. I've worked through that, but it saddens me because that just reminds me of the loss of my reality that I had at that time, that that's not actually what was really going on. The happiness in that picture wasn't two-sided. It was one-sided. So that's a sad thing. So again, thank you so much for being that transparent for us and that vulnerable. We're going to move into the next segment of this, and we're going to talk about, is your anger productive or not? Is it good anger or bad anger? And what's the difference? So how is anger good? <laughs> Let's start there. Right. Righteous anger is a good anger. Being angry about the things that makes God angry, right? What made God angry about this situation? Right. Can we pull a few things out of our situation? What I did to you, things that we can see that God would be angry about based on what we know from his word. Yes. Things like breaking covenant, right? Yes. Which is a spiritually legal contract, right? Yes. God, God takes that seriously. He does. He's a God of covenant. He's made covenant with us. He was always angry at Israel when they would break covenant with him. Right. If you remember from one of our earlier episodes, I gave a definition of covenant that said this, I will always be to you as I said I would be, even if you're not to me as you said you would be. And that can be a little bit of a lighthearted description of covenant. But understanding that in God's view, it is a legal and binding agreement. And he does take those serious. Yes. So that's something that would really make God mad um, in our situation, I'm sure. Of course, lying, that's one yes. of the Ten Commandments, right? Thou shalt not lie. Pride, that is like the original sin, isn't it? And that's, that's the downfall of most people is pride. Right. In recovery, we sort of uncovered what's at the very heart of pride. And it comes in this statement that says, I got this. And when we find ourselves in a continual thought pattern of, I got this, we're cutting God out of the process. He wants connection with us, right? He does. Yeah. He does. He, he wants dependency from us. He does. And not misplacing our dependencies. Right. Yeah. Because I did that, actually. How's that? Uh, I put you in a position before God. I mean, I I loved God and Jesus my whole life. And I tried to live a Christ-like life as best that I could all through my life, all through our marriage. But I did realize after all of this blew up that I had put you on a pedestal, really. I had made you my idol, my God in a way, because I poured everything into you and not as much into God. My relationship with you superseded that of my relationship to God, you know, in many ways, on many occasions. And so, yeah, I uh, misplaced my dependency on him. So looking on those things that we have 
just outlined about anger being good, good ways that we can be angry. Can you recall the time when you were able to move from this anger that was really more directed at the situation into more of an objective view where your anger became anger at the circumstances? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. When I started to get a bit of an understanding of what had happened to you, what had happened to you as a kid, and how all of this kind of started, and what addiction really is all about, as my knowledge and understanding about the addictive cycle grew, and I started getting more compassion for your situation. You weren't just this bad guy who did all these bad things, right? <laughs> You're a real human being with struggles, with issues that were all consuming and you didn't know how to handle. And you weren't sharing with anyone to help you with them. And so you were in this state of suffering yourself for all these years. You were in torment. And when I realized that, my empathy for you grew and I felt like, it wasn't just something that you had done to me. It was something that was being done to you by the enemy of our soul, right? And you were trapped in something that you didn't know how to get out of on your own. So yeah, I started to get really, really angry at Satan, at pornography industry, you know, all of these kind of things that contribute to trapping people into a, a life of shame and guilt and repetitive sin habits. So yeah, I was I was starting to move away from being so angry at you to being angry at what caused this situation in the first place. That's great, thank you, Emily. So we wanna move on to the flip side of that. How is anger bad? When does the anger go wrong? Well, anger is bad when it's used to lash out at somebody to hurt them, right? Or to get revenge or to hurt yourself which I was doing. I was so angry, like I said before, that sometimes I did lose control hitting you or hitting myself, hitting my head on the wall. And that's not helpful. Right. <laughs> Anger, if you let it take over, you could live in a state of constant resentment and this all-consuming bitterness in your life. And so that's when anger is bad. It's when it it stays and it's acted out on for long periods of time, short periods of anger, whether you handle it well or not. <laughs> okay. But if you sit in anger for a long, long time, we're talking like, I don't know, it's probably, there's no real quantifiable time period, but I'm thinking if it, if you're still angry after a year, there's something seriously wrong that needs to be dealt with in your own heart because that's just going to destroy you if you don't release that anger. You were meant to be angry because of injustice. You were meant to be angry because God created that emotion, but you weren't meant to stay in anger. It is intended to be a passing emotion. Right. It's a powerful one. It is. And it can destroy if you let it, but it can actually make good things happen if used properly. Anger, when it's out of control, is us trying to gain control of a circumstance that we don't understand, we feel that it's unfair, or it makes us feel powerless. Right. It's kind of like that analogy about a fire in a fireplace. Fire yes. in the fireplace yes. is really good. It's, it gives you warmth. You could cook on it, you know, providing food. But if it gets out of the bounds of that 
fireplace, it could destroy things. It could burn your house down. You know, it could kill people. So it has to be within its boundaries. So anger has to be within a boundary of a short period of time and being righteous anger and not move into something else, something that Satan can use to destroy. Right. So we have been using our own words to try to describe and talk about anger and explain it and what's good or what's bad. But God has given us his own words through scripture. We have this first one right here that is out of Micah 7, verse 18. We're going to read it out of the message translation. Where is the God who can compare with you? Wiping the slate clean, turning a blind eye, a deaf ear to the past sins of your purged and precious people. You do not nurse your anger and do not stay angry long. For your mercy is your specialty. That's what you love most. And compassion is on its way to us. What a great description. I like it because it talks about first that God is incomparable. You cannot compare him with everything. He loves to wipe the slate clean. He's turning a blind eye and a deaf ear to the past sins of our purged selves. He doesn't nurse his anger. He doesn't stay angry long. And he's ready to give mercy and compassion is on its way to us. Yeah. And that's what we should be emulating, right? We should yes. be doing it the way he does it. Yes. And so I'm going to read from Ephesians 4, 26, 27. It says, go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry. But don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. And do not stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. I really like the practical aspect of that. First of all, we're given permission to be angry like you and I discussed earlier. But don't use it to fuel revenge. And don't stay angry. The practical part, don't go to bed angry. And don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. Don't give him permission. Right. Absolutely. And the Bible says it's so good, doesn't it? It does. Like <laughs> it's like that he didn't even need us to say anything. This is perfect. Here we are trying to expand on it. Okay, so the third one that we have is Romans twelve nineteen out of the uh, English Standard Version. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Yes, and I remember back in the early days, right after... You told me the very first little <laughs> piece that was very minor about the adultery that you had committed, staying in a hotel room with another woman. And, you know, God told me specifically that it wasn't my job to punish you. Yes. He said that in one of, uh, I think it was in my story in yes. episode two. He said he would take care of it. And honestly, I didn't see much punishment coming your way <laughs> for a while. Honestly, it was like, well, everybody has just been so great to him and gracious to him. And, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, when are the consequences coming? Because, right. you know, I had been hurt so badly. It was like, dang it, you know, where is he going to get his? Yes. And, you know, I did have to release that as well because I love you. And I really didn't want to see you punished. I didn't want to see you hurt. Um, I just wanted justice. Yes. That's what at first I thought justice was, was you getting what you deserved. Right. But, you know, then I have to stop and think, well, if I got what I deserved, I deserve death, right? Yes. And so I have to say, oops, okay, you know, uh, God extended mercy 
and grace to Johnny. And that's what I need to do as well. So yeah, it's, um, it's a real deal. It's really hard to work through anger. Yes. I think that I want to take just a moment to expand on that. You mentioned the three words in there, justice, mercy, and grace. I feel like, uh, you know, a little bit like a Bible geek that I want to explain at just a little. Justice is getting exactly what you deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. And grace is getting what you don't deserve. Right. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> I love the way God works. Yes. It's he, so good. He's amazing. Okay. So now that we've talked about what scripture has to say about it, how do we overcome anger? How did you, from the time early on after discovery and as recovery began, and now four years into it, how were you able to overcome your anger? Again, that's not to say that you don't have your angry moments. How did you overcome your anger? And then when you have those angry moments, you get to employ these steps again. Right. Sure. Well, the obvious one, of course, is to pray. That's really all I could do in the beginning was pray. I was crying out to God and asking him to help me because I didn't know how to handle my emotions. I didn't know how to handle the situation. I was just begging him to just do just to get me out, get me out of it. <laughs> get me out of this situation, God. But I would pray and um, that would just really calm me down. First of all, you can only be angry for so long when you're talking to God. And then if you're really, truly speaking to him, there's the Holy Spirit in you that gives you that peace. So praying was the first step in my process of getting over anger. The second step was to talk about it with somebody. And yes. my preferred person to talk to about this, about anything that had to do with what you had done to me, was you. That seems very counterintuitive. Yeah, you're my betrayer, right? right? But I wanted to come and talk to you most of all. And then I would go and talk to some trusted others, like my best friends, or the women in church who um, I consider my mentors, or people who had been through this same situation and had come through it gracefully or not so gracefully, but it was a successful recovery for them. So I could gain a lot of insight from that. So I would go and talk to other people. So when you say trusted others, what does that mean to be trusted? What are you talking about when you say trusted others? And why is that important? Well, trust is super important, right? Right. Um, We've been talking a lot about yeah. that. So I had to trust people who I knew would point me back to Jesus. Okay. So that's mainly what it means to talk to a trusted other person. I knew that if I talked to somebody who was just going to get really angry at you also and just encourage me to like get revenge or <laughs> encourage me to right. act out in my anger, that was not going to be good advice. That was not going to be helpful. Although that person might feel like that they're actually helping by empathizing with you. Yeah, they would be empathizing, but they would be guiding me into the wrong frame of mind. So yeah, I went to people who I knew would point me back to Jesus. Isn't that interesting? So you mentioned in step one, you talk to God. Step two, you talk to trusted others, and you define trusted others as those who would point you back to God. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that great? I love that. So the last step, step three, um, I had to surrender it. No matter how long it took me to pray and talk to others about it, I had to just come to a point finally where I just had to release it. 
I had to release the anger to God. I had to just surrender my will, surrender my desire for revenge or for getting back at you or whatever those terrible emotions create in us if we let that happen. But I had to just put all that down at the foot of the cross and say, God, I don't know how to handle this myself. You have to handle it for me. And I'm just not going to worry about this anymore today. And it was a daily thing, you know. Yes. It doesn't mean that that's where it ended. I had to continually do these steps over and over and over again. You know, we did get each other a gift. I don't remember when that was. It was Christmas of 2019 because we were still in our old house. Okay, that's right. We bought each other a gift for Christmas. It was a necklace with the pendant that had the inscription of the serenity prayer. Yes. In fact, when you were just talking about having to let it go, surrender it, it's the serenity prayer that really makes so much sense. So um, the serenity prayer has been very common in our culture and used. It's used very widely in the recovery community. Whatever it is that you are recovering from, the serenity prayer is at the center of this. And it says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Yeah, that's perfect, isn't it? It is. It's almost like it was inspired, maybe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I mean, from people who have gone before. Yes. So, yeah, that's basically, in a nutshell, I overcame anger by focusing on God, focusing on what he has done for me, how he treats me. That's how I'm supposed to treat others and giving it up to him. I was thinking on this verse this morning, and it happens to be one of my discipleship course life verses. It's uh, Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Yeah, amen. So just to recap those steps for overcoming anger. First, pray. Take it to God. And second, talk about it with other trusted people. And then the third one is just to surrender it. Let it go. Thank you so much, Emily, again, for taking this opportunity and this time to just really hear your heart, hear your part of this story. So often the offended, they don't get to tell their story. The voice of the one who was offended or betrayed sometimes gets lost in the noise of the one who overcomes the addiction or overcomes the difficulty while you you're there overcoming your own part of this. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Anger is not an easy subject to talk about. It's easy to be angry, but it's not an easy subject to talk about because I think sometimes we find ourselves embarrassed by our anger. Before we sign off for today, Emily, would you close us in prayer? Sure. God, you're amazing. You know, it was hard to go back and think about all the times that I was angry and the uh, intense emotion that I felt for a long time. But you know what? It's good. It's good to reflect on where we are and how you move us through it to take us to the place that you want us to be. So I thank you for your patience with me 
your loving, tender guidance of how I should move through the anger and take the steps to release it to you. Thank you for being faithful, for taking it from me, and for giving me, in place of it, a heart of compassion for Johnny and for myself. Lord, I pray for all of those listening that you would reassure them that they have this same opportunity to take their angry emotions, to take whatever pain that they're feeling to you because you do care and you do answer prayer. And Lord, I pray that you would provide trusted friends and mentors for those going through the situation and that they can get some wise counsel and be pointed back to you. And Lord, ultimately be able to release their anger, release their pain, and see the hope that lies within a future that has you at the center of it. Thank you so much, Jesus. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And thank you, Emily. So join us next week as we move into another topic. In the past couple of weeks, we've talked about lying, five ways that we lie to each other. We've talked about rigorous honesty. We've talked about anger this week. Next week, join us because we're going to talk about the apology. Yay. <laughs> that helps the anger too. <laughs> to it get does. <laughs> it does. So we're talking something more than just saying, I'm sorry. Yes. So you're not going to want to miss this as we walk you through a very specific method that was taught to us that helped us move beyond these very difficult times. So until then, may God grant you the serenity to accept the things that you cannot change. May he give you the courage to change the things you can and also the wisdom to know the difference. God bless you all and have a great week. So until next time, Marriage is Redeemed, Hearts Renewed on Beyond Broken Vows podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. And before you go, if this podcast has encouraged you and you're feeling some hope for today, Please share the show with someone else you know who is going through a similar situation and needs to know that they're not alone. One of the best ways you can help us reach more people is to leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to hit subscribe so that you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. And as always, we would love to hear questions from you that we can answer on our midweek show. Just email us at support at beyondbrokenvows.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.